As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Football League show, the Thursday edition. We look ahead to the tumultuous tussle of the top two on the Thames. Meanwhile, Hartlepool have got a new gaffer. Accrington's boss isn't a happy chap. And Chris Wilder tells us all about Borough. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Here we go then, gang. Another big weekend of EFL action awaits. Joining me, Matt Davis-Adams, to talk it through are Sam Parkin... Good morning, Matt. And Sky Sports EFL expert, Michelle Owen. That's stretching a bit, but good morning. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, right, there are still three clubs without permanent managers in charge in the EFL. Four if you count Cardiff, you've got Steve Morrison in place until the end of the season. Charlton, Fleetwood and Oldham continue to dither, but Hartlepool have now got round to replacing Dave Chaloner. Graham Lee is the new man in the dugout. He played over 200 games for the club, was most recently working in Middlesbrough's academy. Uh, he watched on as Tony Sweeney took the team for their 3-0 Papa John's trophy win at Sheffield Wednesday on Wednesday. Uh, Sam, this is somebody you came up against in your career a few times. Yeah, him and the, the new assistant, Michael Nelson, were yeah formidable um, central defenders at the level when I used to play against them during a bit of a golden period for, for Hartlepool uh, culminated in I don't think Graham Lee was there I think he'd moved on to Sheffield Wednesday by this time but Michael Nelson definitely pay, played away at Bristol City in a playoff game to get into the second tier so just shows you what a difficult few years I suppose it's been for, the, for that club had a great side had some colossal battles against both of them and yeah, Graham Lee's obviously done his apprenticeship. He's spoken about the ambition always to be get, to get back to Hartlepool. So had such a brilliant time there. So I would imagine be pretty forward thinking, modern day coach, um, bring those methods into the to the bottom tier will be interesting. Have the link with Middlesbrough to potentially get some loanees as well. Um, probably a different way of going if you consider Dave Challoner's next challenges in the, um, the the National League with with Stockport. So. I'd imagine these two guys, freshly out of the game or relatively freshly out of the game, will have um, 
very modern ideas. And actually, Michelle, we've seen that going from an academy job where he was for, for over a decade, Graham Lee, into a senior side, it's not that difficult a transition or it doesn't look to have been. You think of Neil Critchley, Steve Cooper, Rob Edwards, people like that. They've, they've managed it pretty swiftly. Yeah, and I think it's a really great path for any coach who's just getting into academy football now. I mean, even you think people that might not have played the game at as the same level as Graham Lee. Um, it's really exciting that these opportunities are coming up and it's a pathway it gives people hope that maybe you know if you haven't played four or five hundred games at a professional level then you can go on and be in first team football as the head coach as the manager so I think it's it's good news and yeah exciting to see how it makes that transition of, of sort of being the boss I suppose. He's an ex-Hartley Pool player Sam I wonder if the old he knows the club angle is a bit more pertinent in League Two than it is in the Premier League, or maybe not pertinent, but can be more of a benefit. You know, if, if you know how the club is run and everybody who works there, it's it, it, sort of less burden, less pressure than than a Solskjaer Lampard kind of thing. Or am I am I understating that? No, I think you're right, definitely, and it gives you a head start with the supporters, of course. Um, and you'll know that it'll be a limited budget, and you know the, the conditions that you're working in will be, you know, won't be like the anywhere near the top level. But he'll know what it felt when they were, you know, a real force in the, in the Football League. And he'll try and generate that again. I've spoken about it on this podcast before. My record at Hartlepool was horrendous. And when you look at the home form this season, it's absolutely sensational. It's really difficult to get results there. Um, and someone actually messaged me after a podcast and said, I think my record's a 4-0 defeat, a 3-0 defeat, 2-0 and a 1-0. So I've never even scored a goal there. So what he needs to do is find a, a way of playing away from home and picking up points because there's a massive contrast between what they're doing at home and um, and on the road. So I, I would suggest that'll be his first task. But yeah, of course, those two know the place. Um, they know the area and he, he knows the, uh, he'll know the best players, the best young players, certainly. So um, that's the type of market that he's going to have to explore to improve Hartlepool's fortunes. Well, they've lost the last five league games, so he needs to hit the ground running. Tough first game, though, at Lincoln in the FA Cup this weekend. All right, it was a while ago now, but that Derby versus QPR game on Monday is worth a brief mention, not least because Michelle was there. Three of the goals of the season in one game, I thought. Oh, I've got to say, credit to Derby. You know, they, they could have come away with a point, had the hearts broken at the end. Tom Lawrence's goal was brilliant, brilliant assist by Graham Shinney. Chris Willock, beautifully set up by Charlie Austin. He could tell was so annoyed at half-time and came out with a point to prove in the second. And then they replaced Austin, who was having a great game, uh, with Andre Gray, but obviously a tactical thing, save Austin's leg. And look, Andre Gray comes up in the 90th minute after Elias Chair misses a sitter and scores an absolute worldie. Like, I was going quite crazy and I thought, hold on, have I overreacted here? Like, if I was doing a live report, because obviously we were doing full-time, but if I was doing a live report, would people think I'd lost my mind? And then I watched the replay, I was like, oh, that's possibly goal of the season right there, isn't it? So, look, credit to QPR. Really impressed with them. I'm doing them again on Sunday, actually. I'm doing QPR Stoke. So, get another win on Sunday and go into Christmas period with the fixtures they've got. You've got to fancy them for the playoffs this season. Jamie Mackey was saying potentially top two, so we'll see. Well, that was what I was going to ask you, Sam. We've spoken a lot about them getting in the playoffs this season. They're currently third, seven points off the top two. Is there any chance that they can they can crack that or are Fulham and Bournemouth too good for everybody else? Oh, I'm going to do that typical supporter thing where I'm just going to play it down. Um, <laughs> you, n- n- absolute no chance. That means you've got hope, see, because you're playing it no, down. No, 
honestly, I've got to get along to a game. My brother's been going quite regularly. I, I haven't seen them in the, the last couple of games, but I, 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 having watched them a lot at quite close quarters early part of the season, I can't see it. I think there's too much of a gulf between uh, Bournemouth and, and Fulham and QPR and a bit of a, a gap that's already developed. But I love the manager, love the way they're going about it. I just think probably two or three players short for automatic contention this year. But playoffs, absolutely. And um, no, it's a really good time to be a QPR supporter because for the first time, I say it, often they've got a plan and I can you know, stop being so jealous about that lot over in Brentford. <laughs> <laughs> uh, elsewhere, Exeter won that FA Cup replay with Bradford. You remember, listener, the tie had to be replayed after the Grecians fielded six subs in the first meeting. Uh, at least this one didn't go to extra time. Shout out to the 81 Bradford fans who went the third time their team had played away to Exeter this season. Now then, Middlesbrough picked up their first win under Chris Wilder last weekend, so it felt like an opportune time for us to have a chat with the new Borough boss about how life at the Riverside has started. We'll do that next. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line. We're talking to Burnley fan Graham. What's up, Graham? Well, it's Christmas, Paddy. Uh, not a Grinch, are you, Graham? Oh, I love all the midweek fixtures, the quick turnaround between games. So why so glum? Well, it's the work Christmas party, the five-a-side drinks, schoolmates, dinner. Makes it very hard to watch all the football. The Premier League is non-stop this December, so make the most of it with Paddy Power's Bet Builder offer. Get money back as a free bet if one leg of your Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match online Bet Builder bets only min odds one to five per leg, min four plus legs, max free bet ten pounds per day, excludes enhanced match odds, and C supply. Eighteen plus. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Chris, you've had, you've had a few weeks to settle into the job now. Have you been able to make a, a proper assessment of the club yet? Um, we're, we're on our way. Um, I think it's pretty impossible to to, uh, to have an overall uh, view of it on a, on, a, on a short period of time when you're trying to affect a few things. Obviously, trying to get a result uh, on a Saturday or a Tuesday. Um, trying to assess uh, all, all different parts of... Uh, of of, of, the, of the football club that's that you know we're trying to connect to make sure that uh, we give ourselves the best opportunity to win games but uh, no it's I'm very impressed it's obviously a very established football club with with great history and uh, some good people working it so you know it's yeah it's just not about what happens on the training ground it's about all the other stuff as well you know assessing staff assessing Assessing players, assessing structure, um, organisation, so loads of stuff. But we're cracking on. We've had some uh, early starts and some uh, long, uh, late finishes, but um, I was expecting it and um, just happy to get back going again. When you make those assessments, say, of your squad, do you look at players and think, well, maybe that guy could do what so-and-so did for me at Sheffield United? You know, is this guy my Jack O'Connell? Is this guy my John Fleck? Or, or do you just look at it with fresh eyes and, and you know, horses for courses kind of thing? 
I think, I think you know, you, you know, yet again, somebody's trying to pigeonhole me um, because I played 4 3 3 at Oxford, played 4 2 3 1 at Northampton, um, uh, and obviously played a system at Sheffield United that was 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 good and uh, and worked for us. So I think, you know, the players have got different qualities as well uh, to the ones that I've, you know, had at all, all, all my previous clubs. So he's trying to get the best out of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there's a way we, you know, we want to play in a way and there's certain qualities that, uh, that, that the, the, the players will need to, to play in that way. Uh, and some fit the bill. And, and as you, and as you obviously know, uh, that some, some may not fit the bill, but you know you have to make assessments pretty quickly. But you know there's certain other players that I've had at previous clubs that maybe wasn't in the thinking early early on when they first walked through the door that uh, that managed to turn turn me around a little bit. And um, and you know for me that's the uh, the opportunity is always there to impress. And and what I will say is that. You know they're a cracking group of players in terms of their attitude to work and what we've what we've uh, what we've put in front of them. Um, I would expect them to to uh, to accept how we how we're going to be, because you know it's a, it's a it's a great club to be involved in. And um, but uh, all all different personalities, all different ways of playing, and all different players with different attributes. You just managed to to bring them all together. I'm sure you'd have rather had a pre-season with the players, but yeah, I wonder yeah. what is it an advantage to you that that you've done this before? You've come into clubs mid-season, haven't you? So it's not you're not coming into this experience cold, even if you, you're coming into a new group of players. Yeah, very rarely. I mean, you know, I look at the you know uh, two out two my previous previous three appointments were were were, were mid-season, so you just have to you have to deal with it. So first and foremost was me getting me getting you know uh, uh, making sure that. Uh, that you know, my next job personally was the right one for myself and the staff as well, which I which I hundred percent believe it, it is. Uh, but yeah, this one, uh, one at Northampton, one at Oxford, um, pretty much around the same period. This is a little bit earlier than the other the other two, but you have to you have to, uh, as I said, make quick decisions and, and get get working. Not ideal. You you you're right in terms of what you say. Ideally, you would like the the luxury of a summer to plan, uh, which I did at my last club, um, and then a pre-season to to try and work work that out and put into practice what you what you what you're trying to do, uh, and then you roll into a season. But it's never never usually ideal, and uh, isn't this time. But I'm you know I'm not complaining at all. It's it's just great to get back working and and being in the buzz buzz in the middle of everything. And I guess it was a benefit that you'd been watching the championship closely, hadn't you, before you took the borough job? So you had a decent idea of what the league was about this season. Yeah, Matt. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm first time being out of work for twenty years, really. So, um, and uh, you know, wasn't you know, it wasn't planned when I went, a, you know, uh, a bit back when I signed a four and a half year deal in what twenty nine, uh, yeah, twenty twenty, uh, January twenty twenty, I think it was. So it wasn't it wasn't a plan to uh, to have to have a break, but it, it came and I, I tried to uh, make the most of that break, um, um, and um, and uh, making sure that you know I kept my eye on the ball in terms of what field that I would be working. You know, obviously I had a I had a taste of the Premier League, and um, I think I was it'd been pretty ambitious if uh, you know if 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 any of those jobs came up. 
uh, that would I have been in the running for? Um, so, you know, I believe that, you know, uh, from a percentage point of view, it'd be he- like largely, you know, uh, the percentage would be largely that I'll be working in the championship and, and delight because it's a fabulous league. It's a, it's a, it's a super competitive division. And, um, and yeah, um, part of, uh, 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 my uh, Saturdays and midweeks was getting around trying to watch all the games and uh, just keeping the finger on the pulse of the division and and different styles and different teams and how they go about it and you know very impressed still you know and 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 how competitive it is I think that's always the opinion of everybody who's followed it reported on it or or being involved in it it's it's hugely competitive and uh, and it, and that hasn't surprised me watching you know. Um, quite a lot of games before I, I took up the posters at Middlesbrough. And, and what was it about Borough specifically that appealed to you? I, I know a lot of people say that working with Steve Gibson is something that, that managers w- would like to do. Was it that? Was it, you know, kind of chance to, to wake in a sleeping giant, just, just the infrastructure of the, of the club, the squad, bit of everything? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the first bit was really important that, uh, that I had that working relationship with uh, with the owner who you know I would say pound for pound over the last 20 25 years in terms of um, uh, an English owner uh, has been right up there in terms of what he's done for the football club it hasn't always been rosy you know he's been a couple of relegations in there and a couple of down down times but some really good times as well for for Middlesbrough but not only what what he's done you know on the pitch you know off the pitch in terms of what he's done for the area what he's done for the you know training ground in and around the training ground which is which is an incredible training facility um, for elite uh, professionals and and the ground, which is um, still, um, you know, uh, got a modern, modern feel to it, um, a great ground. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a major part speaking to him as well and uh, and realizing, you know, what his ambitions were and, um, and, and and spending time with him, Um, Spending time with Kieran Scott, who's come in as um, director of football, you know, my working relationship with him and Neil Bowser, who's the chief exec and the close knit uh, working environment of, of, of Steve, Neil and, and, and Kieran and myself um, and the club. Um, definitely what you say. Um, it's, it's maybe not in a position that it really should be, but it is, and everybody has to accept that. And I think the supporters do, but, you know, it's a, it's a great opportunity because it has got so many things going for it. Passionate fan base, you know, um, you know, an area similar to what I've been brought up in and live majority of my life in terms of working class honesty in their approach. Um, want to see the team give everything, but want to see them compete and play as well. So, like you said at the start, there's a whole host of, of things, and it was really important that that I uh, I, I I personally made sure that um, you know my next job was was something that really uh, uh, was a good fit, and I do believe you know both ways. It's a great fit for me, and hopefully, I can be a, a good fit for for the football club. You mentioned the people in the boardroom there. I guess managing up is an important part of your job these days, isn't it? And, and you must have to do as much due diligence on the people who, who are going to be working above you as, as you do with the playing squad these days, because that relationship is crucial, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. But, you know, not too much because, you know, football still is a quite an insular business and uh, everybody everybody knows the good guys. Everybody knows not so good guys. Everybody knows the, the guys that are that are really good to work with. And, you know, 
Middlesbrough and and, uh, and and Steve that combination is, you know, when when you speak to Tony Pulis, when I, you know, you know, you speak, I speak to John Johnny Woodgate, I speak to previous managers Steve McLaren and and, and Gareth Southgate, you know, you know, majority if not all of them are, are, are very positive about uh, their working relationships with the owner, which is makes life easier. Um, you don't want to. Um, be spending a lot of the energy uh, managing up. You know, I understand it, and it's part of it. And uh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, happy to be part of a part of a team as well, above me. Um, but uh, you know, uh, my 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 ideas and, and views are, are respected. As so so are Kieran's in terms of our ability to um, to direct the club in a, in 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 a certain way that. The, uh, the owner and the chief exec wants it to go. Swansea on Saturday, you mentioned the Riverside there and what a nice place it is. You've also talked about making it a difficult place to come. Is that purely in terms of the way your team play or is it is it getting the crowd riled up? I don't know, making sure the ball girls and boys take that few extra <laughs> seconds to get the ball back to them, turning off the hot water in the, in the away dressing room? No, not as, not, not, not as bad as that. Um, not as bad as that. I've uh, I've had I've had all those experiences in the conference in the days in the conference, which uh, so I know what's coming. But now I think we've moved on a little bit. Uh, but definitely a difficult place to come, connecting the supporters with the players, uh, and, and why not? Uh, definitely had it at my last club. I, I think I've had it at all all the clubs that I've I've uh, I've, I've worked at. So it, it doesn't just become. Uh, a given it's worked on and it's worked on in terms of the players attitude it's worked on in the connection between the supporters what they what they're seeing and what they're liking what they want as well um, and, I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a big believer in connecting all parts of the football club every uh, every job I've I've, uh, I've I've been at and certainly um you know if they like what they see then they're going to get right behind it you know two and a half three thousand supporters to Huddersfield on uh, on Saturday which was a lousy day in terms of the weather conditions, they they travel uh, incredibly well, and uh, and I've said to the players now, yeah, it's got to be that place where nobody wants to come and play. Even though when you step through the door, um, there'll be a smile on the on the uh, on the uh, on the faces of uh, the receptionist, I'm sure, and will be very pleasant and respectful. But we want to make it as difficult as possible for the opposition, whether it's the noise coming. Um, from the stands or the, the or the tempo, the energy, and the way we play on on the on the green bit. Right. Final question is always a tough one. Uh, here we go. Have you had a Parmo yet? And if so, how does it compare to a Sheffield fish cake? I, I haven't yet, but I'm sure that it's just round the corner uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a and a greasy chip butty or whatever it was down 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 the road. Try to stay away from 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 them. Um, we need to 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 have a, a lot of energy inside us because it's uh, it's quite a twenty four seven. But I'm sure looking at Juicy in front of me, he's had a few palmos. Um, <laughs> so uh, the the press officer. So uh, yeah, it's something that I've uh, I've I've been told about. So I'm I should imagine that's uh, it's just round the corner. Maybe have one at the end of the season if we've uh, if we've uh, added had a decent season. Yeah, Palmo's all around to celebrate in May, hopefully. Um, Chris, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Matt. Take care. All the best. Michelle, interesting game between Middlesbrough and Swansea, given their respective results last weekend. Um, Who are you picking to get the win? Uh, I hate making predictions in the Championship because it just makes you look stupid, doesn't it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I I really like Swansea. I know they can pass a team off the pitch and literally pass themselves 
to sleep at times. Um, and I think, you know, teams aren't stupid. They can have, like, Reading had 26% possession and still get the win, and Borough won't be afraid to do that, I think. But I think I fancy Swansea. I think they'll have learned some lessons from that Reading defeat. Um, I mean, it's incredible that they had 74% possession, 19 shots, 10 on target, you know. Um, but I think I think I fancy. I just I really do like the way Swansea play. They could just have a little bit more penetration at times to uh, speed things up a little bit. That would be good. But it's just a little bit unknown with with Burrow and Chris Wilder at the moment. But they got the result against Huddersfield, so it's it's hard to pick. So shall I sit on the fence completely and go for a draw? Sure, why not? Uh, right, we'll get to some more detailed previewing of the weekend's action next. No doubt about the game of the weekend in the EFL. The top two facing off on Friday night on the banks of the Thames as Fulham host Bournemouth. Joining us now to preview the game is the Athletics Fulham correspondent, formerly the Athletics Bournemouth correspondent, Peter Rutzler. Uh, Peter, it's two teams you know very well, very little between them this season. So, so who do you think starts the game as favourites? Oh, it's a dream game for me, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'd imagine Fulham come in as, as favourites, um, purely on the basis of how they've done in the last few few game weeks. Um, I think both teams have had a little bit of a blip. Bournemouth more so than, than Fulham have. I mean, Fulham's blip is two draws, so I, I suppose, you know, beggars can't be choosing on that front. But um, it's, it's such a, a finely poised game. There's so much riding on it, on the field, off the field. Obviously, Scott Parker returns to Craven Cottage after after ditching, ditching Fulham in the summer. So... Um, Lots of wrongs to be righted, lots of uh, lots of plot lines at play, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's a pretty obvious question, but but that's how I've made my career. Is there a danger that that Fulham are overly reliant on Alexander Mitrovic? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think anyone who's scoring as many goals as he is, uh, and your next best goal scorer is a good 15 below him, um, you would naturally assume that Fulham are very reliant on him, and and you know when he wasn't fully fit you know some of the squad were went down with an illness last week and looked a bit off the ball at Preston you know they they drew nil nil um but if you still take out Alexandra Mitrovic's um impressive goal return uh, Fulham have still scored 28 times which is more than West Brom so um they're well suited I, I guess the, 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 the big question is whether the backup striker Rodrigo Muniz the new young Brazilian when he comes in can he fill the boots and I don't think anyone can at this point but they have goals in other places, and uh, that's what will be reassuring if if he's off the boil or if he um, if his form does dip. But at, at the moment, it doesn't look like that's that's happening. Peter, watching Scott Parker's Fulham, I, I always got the sense that he was really good straight away at setting up a team defensively, uh, but maybe not as expansive going going forward. Has Marco Silva um, improved that in, in that aspect? And that, is that a fair reflection over Scott Parker's period at Fulham? I think it is a, a fair reflection. It's, it's interesting because with Silva, it's almost like that's been flipped on its head. Um, we've seen the number of goals Fulham have scored this season, you know, 49 goals. I think they've scored three or more in a game at least nine times. Um, so they, they, they certainly know how to find a way to goal that they didn't before under Scott Parker. And there was something interesting that Silva said quite recently in a, in a press conference when we sort of asked him about why they rack up such high score lines, um, and he would say, "When we're one or two ahead, why do we stop? You know, a game is ninety-five minutes long. We're just going to keep going and going." Whereas I think with Scott Parker, and I think we've seen this with Bournemouth this season as well, 
once he gets in front, it's more about holding the game. It's about controlling the game, holding down that advantage without taking too many risks. And I, and I guess that's one of the main fundamental differences uh, between the two. Um, you know, they both play 4-3-3. They both like to build up from the back. Um, but with Silva, there's very much that mentality of scoring goals. Um, but even so, that saying that, defensively, Fulham haven't been that bad at all. I think they've conceded the same number of goals now as, as Bournemouth. So... Um, it's it's certainly evened out, but if I were to pinpoint a difference, I think it would just be on that in terms of mentality. I was gonna gonna say, Peter, on the conceding thing. Um, they've only conceded two in the last eight championship games and kept six clean sheets, I think, in in those games, Fulham. So, do you think the sort of tactics are going to be to try and keep it tight and shut Bournemouth out? How do you see it sort of playing out overall? I, I can't see Silver doing that. Um, he has one idea of playing, um, which is his four-three-three. He talks about his idea and the philosophy, and uh, he will. I don't think he will adapt even for for Parker's Bournemouth. Um, I fully, I fully anticipate that that Bournemouth will come here and and be aggressive. We've seen the way they press. You know, they're the, one of the best pressing teams in the league alongside West Brom, and I think that will make things very difficult for Fulham. But um, where they tend to thrive is when they can break those presses, where they can counter-attack too. And they do seem to be quite a well-rounded side when they attack. They've got those outlets. They've got Kibana on the left and Harry Wilson who can exploit the spaces. Um, And then, of course, with Mitrovic, they've they've got a goal scorer. So they will want to play on the front foot. And and I don't don't think that will change, even even when, when Bournemouth visit on Friday. We've mentioned Scott Parker and his return. Can you just tell us a little bit about his exit from Fulham? Because it seemed like like they didn't part on the best of terms. No, no, they they didn't. And I think a lot of supporters were unhappy about how it dragged on. It it did. It was one of those stories that everyone sort of knew about, but just wouldn't seem to happen for ages and ages. And it dragged on to the point where he did leave and Fulham's players were returning for pre-season. They didn't have a manager in place. Um, so that the whole thing certainly left a bit of a sour taste um, but from the the Bournemouth Parker link as odd as it may have seen I think from the outside was something that I think from the Bournemouth side they'd looked at him for quite a while ever since Eddie Howard left he was sort of earmarked as someone who could fill his boots and jump into the club and, and continue their sort of club building approach of developing young players and going from there and after relegation with Fulham you know, there was this sort of tension with the hierarchy between Parker, with Tony Khan, the director of football operations, with, with the owner as well, uh, about direction. And, uh, and we all, the, the sense was that Parker wanted a bit more control, a bit more of a say in other matters. And once, once Bournemouth's interest became more apparent that they weren't going to stick with Jonathan Woodgate, um, it, it seemed to be just a case of trying to get him out of Fulham uh, and into Bournemouth. Um, Eventually, my understanding was that Bournemouth paid compensation, but that process really did drag on, and that's that's where a lot of the the unhappiness lay. But in reality, it's probably a move that's benefited everyone because when Fulham were in the Premier League, there are a lot of players who'd got promoted before, who just hadn't who hadn't had those opportunities to play in the top flight, and had been sort of sidelined by Parker. And for him to try and pick them up again would have been quite difficult. Fulham instead have got a new manager in. Marco Silva's lifted some of these players; they're playing exceptionally well. Parker's gone into Bournemouth, found a found a, a club that really does suit him, and I think generally everyone sort of won out from it, even though it uh, wasn't the happiest time in the, in the summer. Peter, two 
guys at, at Bournemouth who are having unbelievable seasons, um, Dominic Solanke and Jaden Anthony, when you were covering the club, did you envisage Dominic Solanke becoming an out-and-out goal scorer at championship level? And did you think that Jaden Anthony had the ability to get into that team and, and keep his spot regularly? I think with Solanke, in the season I covered Bournemouth, he was a player who just seemed to lack a lot of confidence in the box. And he obviously his goal-scoring record at youth level was exceptional. Um, and he just he just needed something to go in. I think the goal he, the first goal he did score, I think it was against Luton in the cup, and it just sort of dribbled into the net. And he was like, oh, could this be the moment? Um, and it didn't really, it didn't happen for him. It was a young team. There were confidence was shot as they had a lot of injuries, and and they ultimately went down. He was also playing in a slightly deeper role. He was playing behind Callum Wilson. So now he's actually the main man. He's had to you know carry the carry the burden of, of leading the team and. I think maybe it did need him to drop down to the championship just to get back into the rhythm of scoring goals, get back into that 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 focus because he's got everything to his game. He's dynamic. He can press. He, can, he he's a good finisher. He's evidently been a good finisher. So putting knitting all that together has has been the difference. So not too surprised by him. Jaden Anthony a little bit more. I, I saw him a couple of times with with Bournemouth under twenty ones team. Their academy is category three. So in terms of the caliber of opposition, it's not the best. He would stand out. He did well. But then making that jump to high-end championship, bottom-end Premier League, that's a huge, huge step. So seeing both him and Jordan Zamora, who was in the same team, do as well as they have has been really, really, really impressive. And that's that's down to him and also the, the coaching staff down there. Uh, Peter, before we let you go, you've got a reputation as Rutzler the relegator after covering both <laughs> these clubs in the seasons that they dropped out of the top flight. If they both go up, can we call you Peter the promoter? Yes, please. That would that would help me a lot, um, especially especially on covering a club, um, Fulham in the Premier League. If if they get there um, and they're trying to stay up, so uh, yeah, re- reducing the curses would be nice. They won't get relegated this year. We've got enough points, well, at least compared to compared to la- the teams that went down last year. Anyway, I better not count my chickens. Who knows what will happen? <laughs> uh, Peter, enjoy the game on Friday. Thanks so much for joining us. No, thanks for having me. Peter Rutzler, there. Read him only in the Athletic. Uh, right, we love to hop aboard a bandwagon on this pod, so we've been all over Blackburn in recent weeks. We'll continue that now by looking ahead to their derby date with Preston at Ewood Park. Uh, Michelle, could Tony Mowbray win Manager of the Month for November despite having been beaten 7-0 at the start of it? No, you cannot lose 7-0 <laughs> in a month and win Manager of the Month. I did that game on Sky and I just remember thinking how sensational Fulham were and how I thought they potentially walked the championship. How how poor Blackburn were and how I couldn't see them being much more than mid-table based on that game. But then I knew the sort of squad they had and they had a man sent off in that game. But reflecting on that after, Tony Mowbray was just so devastated. We had Stuart Downing in the studio with us and he said, oh, that is really going to hurt him after now. Like he's he's going to sit in that changing room and just dwell on it. And he's so invested in everything he does. And, and you know, I spend extra time at the training ground like all good bosses do and, and he'll pick apart what went wrong and he'll take it quite personally and look at the reaction since then you know it's been absolutely fantastic they come out the next game and beat Sheffield United who many at the start of the season would have been tipping to be now where Blackburn Rovers are um, well the draw with Bristol City was a little bit uninspiring but then they thrashed Peterborough 4-0 and, and beat Stoke 1-0 and Stoke could be one of the teams in and around them for the playoffs and the response has been phenomenal you know 33 points. They're only two behind QPR, who we've just been praising a few minutes ago. So, yeah, massive credit to Tony Mowbray and the job he's doing. They're just a little bit inconsistent at times. You know, they have lost five games this season, but I think he deserves an enormous amount of credit for turning it turning it around. 
Yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. I don't think you'd want him as your hype man, though. Uh, this is what he had to say about Ben Brereton Diaz's future. As I've talked about, they don't stay forever. Ben Brereton will come and go at some stage. There has to be a next guy who steps into the void and scores more goals than Brereton. Uh, it sounds like he's accepted that, that he's off Michelle then. So do you think that's going to be in January? I see Newcastle are the latest club to, to be linked to him. Yeah, well, if you look hard enough, there's all sorts of names linked. It depends how many, how many you take seriously. I think I saw in the local paper, Leeds United... Burnley and you mentioned Newcastle all on all on Diaz watch as it were he's having a great season and that that move well I say that move it's not a move that eligibility sign up for Chile has has really galvanized him um it sounds from what Tony Mowbray's just said that he's probably going in January I think there could be a few moves going on in January actually um but surely he's only going to leave for a Premier League club now you know, because Blackburn are now competing for the playoffs, but without Diaz, I would worry from a little bit. Unless he's going to Universidad de Chile, I suppose, which <laughs> I don't know would seem unlikely. Um, Preston, why Sam? They come into this game off the back of two great results: win at Borough and a draw against Fulham. But they've got to perform better than they did in their last derby at Blackpool because that put Frankie McAvoy under a lot of pressure. I seem to remember. Yeah, another you know huge game in that that part of the world. Um, but they were so impressive against Fulham. I mean, outstanding. Um, that's as poor as I've seen Fulham, and a lot of that was down to a great Preston display. I thought Lindsay was sensational up against Mitrovic, um, and Imrish Jakobsen. Um, he's becoming you know a bit of a hero, really. Maybe as as important as Brereton is for for Blackburn, considering that Preston we've. We've yearned for this for so long, it feels. Maybe since Jordan Hugo was there, maybe five or six years ago. remember him getting 13 goals in uh, the championship. Jakobsen's already got eight, I think 12 in all competitions. Um, and possibly, given the, um, the introduction and, and what it did to the team when Evans came on the other day, that could be a way for Preston to, to, to really move forward aggressively with two front men, two physical front men at that as well. But um, Jakobsen's 23, he's got, all the attributes similar to Brereton, you know, so direct, so powerful, can move with the ball at his feet and getting goals as well. So I'm really optimistic, you know, about him getting Preston up the table. I think the biggest thing on this game is the midfield because I love the Blackburn midfield. Um, Buckley, Travis, Rothwell, so underrated. And there's a lovely balance to Preston's midfield as well. Brown's back to his best. Whiteman was a player we loved at Doncaster. He's the deep lion one. And McCann who's signed for my former club, St. Johnson, has been a revelation. So, yeah, they've got good front players, can both play on the counter-attack, but I think the midfield is going to be fascinating. Six really good players. Uh, Preston got an excellent record at Ewood Park, by the way. Haven't lost on any of their last five visits. That goes all the way back to 2001. It's Coventry and West Brom who get things going with the early kickoff on Saturday. Only a point between the sides, Coventry sixth and Albion fourth. Wondering if this was a derby or not. Probably not. It's only a forty-seven minute drive, so, so that meets the uh, the MDA criteria. But but I'm not sure it counts as a derby, really. Um, three draws on the spin for Coventry, Sam. But but last week's at Bournemouth, I, I suppose, will will have felt like a win. And if they pick up a, a, another victory here, then they'll go above West Brom. Yeah, it's been a brilliant spell for Coventry. Obviously, the, the joint best home record in the division, twenty-three points. Um, so that's you know been a huge I think a huge motivational factor for the players and it's obviously galvanised the city as well um, the supporters have you know 
clearly enjoying being back there and they're producing the results. It's given them that, you know, ability to come back in games and take points. Is it six times I think they've been behind and, and, and salvaged something from the game, which is which is incredible. And, um, you know, very attacking side, fourth most shots in the division, coming up against West Brom, we've had the second most. So we should be in for some goals, uh, although West Brom's recent form doesn't suggest that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Mark Robbins. I really like Callum O'Hare. Be interesting to see what the system is because against the big hitters in this division, he's tended to go with just one up front. But because of that brilliant success they've been having at home, I'd uh, I'd expect him to revert to the two up top and and go after West Brom. I think that's the the way that Coventry get their success. So, yeah, I mean it's difficult to look beyond Coventry here. West Brom's away form's been been poor, still having loads of attempts, you know. But is that skewed a little bit by the amount of corners they have, the amount of kind of uh, pressure they put on the opponents when they can keep the ball in that final third rather than good guilt-edged opportunities. So I think the stats probably are skewed a little bit in West Brom's favour. I don't think they're creating enough for the strikers who are clearly misfiring away from home. Uh, Coventry, by the way, they love a late goal. That Todd Kane equaliser at Bournemouth last week, the fifth time this season they've scored after the 90th minute. That's 18.5% of their total goals. Uh, one imagines they'll be paying tribute to John Sillett, their former manager who led them to the FA Cup in 1987 at Saturday's game. He passed away earlier this week. All right, I'm just going to turn my Twitter notifications off before I say this. Uh, West Brom are so boring, aren't they? I mean, they've drawn their last two nil-nil, no wins in four, no goals in their last three, haven't scored more than once uh, in their last 10 games. How do they get out of this funk, Michelle? And is Valerian Ismail the man to do it? Oh, you just took all my all my stats off me there, Matt. But they tell the story, don't they? Um, they've got a bit of an issue because they've got Jake Livermore and Jason Lumby suspended for this game. Um, Robert Snodgrass doesn't seem to be flavour of the month. Uh, so Alex Moe is really the only central midfielder he's got. So that's going to add to his problems. For me, West Brom don't have that central out-and-out striker. We've said it a few times on Sky this season. We've been watching them a fair bit. And who is their number nine? He's not playing Jordan Hugo. So he's almost playing three players, sometimes four, that want to play in the same position. They want to cut off the left wing and they, they want to score like that if you're playing a three up front. So I think that in a January transfer window, they'll be looking for a striker. Um, that's, that's what it looks like at the moment. I think going forward, is Ishmael the right man? We, we were talking about this last week, just off air while the game was on. And I was saying to the pundits with me, does he always play like this? Because this is how he played at Barnsley. You know, the direct style, win the ball back, score, or not score, as it were, lately. Um, is this how he always plays? But when he was at Lask, apparently he didn't always play like this, which I thought was quite interesting. But we've been questioning all season, where is his plan B? And slowly but surely, their average possession has increased. So they're having to find a different way of playing, but it's not really working. I saw Keenan Davis linked with a move. I'm not sure if that would be a loan move, but that would be really good for him because he's not playing it. Fellow. It could answer West Brom's problems. But the issue, the obvious issue seems to be they haven't got that out-and-out out sort of nine. If they had Mitrovic or if they had Solanke, you'd think with some of the players in that squad right now, how they should be, should be doing. But I don't know. Are the players not buying into what he wants to do? I'm not sure. I know... From what I've heard, when he went in there, he was very specific and direct about how he wanted to do it. And he said, you're either on board or not. But that's very, that's all very well and good when the results are coming like they were at the start of the season. But they could be as low as seventh by the end of the weekend. 
which seems mad considering the start they had. Uh, yeah, on Keenan Davis, by the way, it was the Athletics West Brom correspondent Steve Maidley who who said that that is a, a possibility for January, but he scored one league goal since September 2017. So whether he'll be the man to get them firing, uh, I'm not sure. Right, Abby's on holiday this week, so guest producer Jeremy is going to give us some odds on those games we've been discussing, courtesy of Paddy Power, please. Some interesting ones regarding the Fulham-Bournemouth game. Fulham very heavily fancied by Paddy Power. You can get them at... Uh, 20 to 23, Bournemouth, the outsiders are 3 to 1. The bet I like here, though, is the two firing strikers, Mitrovic and Solanke, both to score 6.5 to 1 for that one. And to win the championship, Fulham absolute nailed on 4 to 9 to win it. Bournemouth just in behind them at 11 to 4, and both teams absolutely odds on to be promoted. You can't get any money on them, really. Fulham 1 to 14, and Bournemouth. 3 to 10. What about the Blackburn Preston game? Blackburn very heavily fancied here. You can get them at Evans Preston outside of 12 to 5. You can get Ben at Burton Diaz anytime goal scores 6 to 5. And Blackburn to be promoted. They're currently eighth favourites, but they are sat in fifth on the table. You can get them at 15 to 2. Uh, and Sam seems to think Coventry are going to beat West Brom. Do Paddy Power agree? Paddy Power do not agree. Paddy Power have West Brom as the favourites here. They have them at 5-4, to four, just a shade over evens. And you can get Coventry at 19-10. to 10. And to be promoted, West Brom still quite fancy by Paddy Power. You can get them at 11-10. to 10. Lovely. Thanks, Jeremy. Right, just a couple of League One games this weekend. We'll have a chat about them next. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an Athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. Only two fixtures in the third tier this weekend. That's because of the FA Cup. Accrington Stanley versus Fleetwood is the first one we're going to look at. It's a fixture which just screams the north of England uh, to me. Anyway, Stanley start the weekend 14th. Fleetwood will start and end it in the relegation zone, regardless of what happens here. Uh, Michelle, it feels to me like all is not well at Accrington just now. We, we've mentioned their contract standoffs with strikers. John Coleman said of Dion Charles' refusal to ink a new deal. You've got to draw a line in the sand. And Dion openly stated to me in the summer that if he didn't go in the transfer window, he'd sign a new contract. And now he's reneged on that. Uh, he then doubled down Coleman on his uh, misery. This was after they lost to Wigan in the EFL Trophy in midweek on penalties. Uh, we can hear a clip of what he said now. It's a void of ideas, it's a void of attacking ideas. Woeful. Absolutely woeful. And when I thought it couldn't get any lower last Tuesday, it has. Tonight has. This is the lowest point probably I've had in my career managing a football team because that doesn't reflect me. That doesn't reflect him, it doesn't reflect John Zoom. That doesn't reflect how we play. I've got to work with these lads again on Saturday. And my biggest regret of the, of the whole night is that I didn't change the team completely. And give all the lads who were, who were standing on the sidelines, champing at the bit for the game. I didn't play them. And that's my biggest regret on it. Michelle, they won at Lincoln last week. Why is he so cross? It just seems like it's not a... A happy camp, you know. Colby Bishop gets the winner. Um, they had five shots on target. You know, it was an okay performance and they came away with three points. But it just felt like that was the straw that broke the camel's back, that penalty's defeat. Just like they were waiting for something to happen. I mean, they've got the joint second-worst defensive record in League One. They've conceded 36 goals in 19 matches. And I know you've discussed it before. They've taken some heavy beatings. Six times they've conceded at least three goals 
so Fleetwood have a little bit of hope going into this one. Um, it's it's hard to know, isn't it? I just a bit of a mixed bag. They've only got one win in the last six Acton in the in the league. So you know, I mean, Sam haven't played the game. I'm sure there's all sorts going on behind the scenes. But for comments like that and what we've just heard, you don't hear that often. Um, so I don't like to speculate, but. It's hard to know what, what sort of Accrington Stanley's going to turn up on Saturday. Maybe he should apply for the Fleetwood job. They're still looking for a new manager. Stephen Craney still in interim charge. Sam, you ever heard the word interim used in a non-football context? It's like a judge, isn't it? It just doesn't happen. There's so many, isn't there? So many words that, that only get um, brandished in, uh, in uh, <laughs> this, this wonderful game of ours. But no, that is definitely one interim, yeah. Uh, so Fleetwood, no wins in their last 11 in all comps, but given the mood at Accrington, this might not be a bad fixture for them this weekend. No. Um, I mean, conceding goals is the uh, reoccurring theme, I think, here. I mean, I think six times running in the league, they've conceded two or more, which just shows you it's kind of irrelevant of what they're doing going the other way because they've scored the, the, the most in the bottom half other than Ipswich. So there's no problem in that regard. It's a really young side. Really incredibly young side. There's a bit of experience in the back four. Um, he went to a back four, uh, Stephen Craney, in his one game in charge so so far. They've been playing a, a 3-5-2 with a couple of experienced fullbacks playing a centre-half. So he changed the shape. But, uh, yeah, I like the forward line. You've got Shaden Morris, you've got uh, Garner. He's had seven goals. And, and Morton, I think, is a really talented player at this level. He's got seven goal involvements. Um He's been a thorn in a lot of team sides um, recently. Um, really like him. Surprised that he ended up at Fleetwood, considering he was at Lincoln last year. Um, you know, he had a big hand in getting Northampton promoted. So they'll continue to score goals. They just need to improve defensively. Um, James Hill is a centre-half who's injured currently. He's been linked with Barcelona um, in recent days. And Burnley, which I thought was quite <laughs> nice. And he is the son of Matt Hill, um, a former player, Bristol City player who I used to play against during my career. Lovely lad. I did my coaching badges with him. So they've got an absolute diamond there. So if James Hill can recover from his recent injury and get back in the side, that'll go some way to shoring them up. But if I was a betting man, I would say there could be goals in this game and quite a lot. Let's hope so. Uh, the other League One fixture this weekend goes down at the Stadium of Light, which could accurately have been labelled the Stadium of Fight when Sunderland hosted Oxford. Last season, such was the level of rancour. Uh, Carl Robinson sent to the stands. He alleged that his keeper had been headbutted at half-time. He then got a four-game touchline ban. Uh, Sam, you expecting a more placid affair this time around? Oh, no, I'm not sure. Not sure about that. I think that will probably um, hang over from last season. Um, yeah, I think but both of them are uh, quite animated in the technical area. There's no love lost between the two sides, so... I imagine it'll be a, a great atmosphere once more because these are two teams that will have aspirations of getting promoted this season, no question. Not had ideal starts, but a lot on this game considering where they sit. And there's been needle before, a lot of the still players remain. So get down there and, uh, and enjoy it. Get your popcorn. Yeah, Sunderland can go level with the top three with a win here at their inferior goal difference. It means they won't get into the automatic promotion places. Michelle, here's a horrible question for you. Who do you think is the better manager, Lee Johnson or Carl Robinson? They, they both seem like very similar types of blokes to me. Um, 
I'm not going to answer that again because I don't <laughs> want to get in trouble. But when, well, I think they're quite different characters. I mean, I only know them from, from really doing a bit of post-match with them. I probably know Lee Johnson a little bit better. I mean, he is forensic, as we know. I don't know, if, I don't know enough about Corrinson to know if he is forensic, but they're both big characters in this league. Um, I think Oxford's problem is, is their away record because their home record is, is one of the best. I think it is the best, isn't it, home record in the league? Um, but they're 17th away from home. So I think that's where Oxford could improve. Um, but this is a massive game between them because even though Sunderland have the better record in recent years, I don't think it, it really matters because on the day, with those two on the touchline, like you just alluded to, just feel like sparks sparks could fly but they can both be a little bit hot-headed can't they so it's going to be an entertaining one um but matty taylor should be back for oxford which will be a, a, a big one and i think elliot moore is back for them as well so they've got two big players that should be potentially back in their starting 11 to give them a big boost but i know i'm, I'm quite interested to know what's going on in, at sunderland if, if the fans are happy with lee johnson if they're expecting more it's, it's a hard job that one though but yeah, i think Corrington's a really good fit for oxford and and both really, I would expect to be around the playoffs at least by the end of the season. Yeah, a win would take Oxford into the playoff places this weekend. Uh, Sunderland won both league games between them last season. Oxford's last victory against the Black Cats was a 3-2 win at Roker Park back in 1994. Uh, Jeremy, can we get some odds on those games, please? Sunderland, the slight favourites for that game against Oxford. You can get them at 23-20 to and Oxford themselves are at 2-1. to In terms of the promotion race, you can get Sunderland to go up at 11 to 10, just a shade over evens. And Oxford themselves, two points outside the playoffs, they are evens to finish in the top six. Uh, looking at the game between Accrington and Fleetwood, Accrington 13 to 10, slight favourites there, Fleetwood 19 to 5. Sam mentioned that he thinks there will be goals in this game. Over two and a half goals is odds on at four to five. And if you're feeling very dangerous, you can go over three and a half goals at 11 to 5. So cue the nil nil. <laughs> so it usually works you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app prices are accurate at the time of recording it's over 18s only T's and C's apply and when the fun stops stop this is the Totally Football League show with Matt Davis-Adams Right, no League Two this weekend uh, because of the FA Cup second round. So I've asked Sam and Michelle to pick out a potential upset from the Cup for us. What have you gone for, Sam? Probably should have conferred here. Yeah, we have the same right. one. Go on. One, two, three, Michelle. One, two, two three. Gates Buxton. Head. Oh, good. There we go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam was never going to go against his mate Johnny Jackson and pick Gateshead. Uh, oh, come on. Buxton, you're saying, Sam? Yeah. Tell they, us more. Um, well, they beat York, didn't they, in the um, first round. And they just changed managers, if you remember. Steve Cunningham, I think, is the new boss who'd come in on the Tuesday prior to that fixture. It was an upset. Brilliant winning goal. And two supporters fell over the hoardings. So that's why I went for it. It was tremendous. Um, so and the manager got the previous manager had got sacked because he went on holiday before the that game, was right? It. it was that, that one, was wasn't it? it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, Buck, Buxton, I think, you know, this would be the, just the second time they qualified for the third round proper if they were to beat Morecambe. And um, I've enjoyed it for the, uh, the comedy effect thus far. So hopefully they can, uh, they can do the business again. Um, Michelle, why Gates head against Charlton for you? I'm not going to lie. I'm clutching at straws a bit. So I went through the fixtures. <laughs> like, I, I, I 
don't know. So um, I went pure, <laughs> just just a, just a few sort of general reasons, and I wouldn't weigh too heavily on this to be honest. But look, Charlton are in pretty good form, six wins from ten matches. But you know, it's a long trip up to the northeast, uh, all the cliches. And Gateshead are in really good form. Um, eight victories in the last twelve. They're seven points adrift of, of top spot in their league with, with three games in hand. But they did. I wrote all this down, and then I noted they lost to uh, AFC Fylde in the FA Trophy. So that ended their their four match winning streak in all competitions. So I don't know. I just it was one that I was just trying to clutch at straws for, to be honest. But Gateshead are in good form. Charlton maybe fancying at, you know more concentration on the league. So don't put too much weight on that, anyone. Sorry. <laughs> Chesterfield to win at Salford. There's your, there's your oh, other one as well. that's a good one. That is a good one, yeah. actually. Uh, yeah. Top of the National League. Lots of um, experienced players who will handle the occasion. And um, maybe Salford with their eyes on the on the league, considering they've been a bit better in the last few weeks. That's a better shout than mine. Sam can have two against my one, for sure. <laughs> can I chuck in Stockport to win at Rotherham Friday night? Upwardly mobile Stockport. Rotherham will put the reserves out, surely? Yeah, it's not a bad shout. I just, I don't know. I just can't go against Paul Warren's team. He'll, he'll get them. Mo- he'll get them motivated. It doesn't feel like Rotherham have had a, a plum FA Cup tie for a while. They don't seem to be on the on the box playing against one of the big ones, and that would be good, wouldn't it? You know, seeing the team away at Rotherham getting put under ridiculous pressure by all the crosses and the uh, the headers from Michael Smith. So hopefully that might happen. Who wouldn't want a trip to New York Stadium in January? Uh, right, we're nearly done. Before we go, Carl Robinson could be forgiven for not being thrilled at the prospect of returning to the Stadium of Light, as we mentioned. Uh, it makes me think, which is the ground that makes you think, I'm not looking forward to going back there. Uh, maybe you burnt your tongue on a hot pie at Oldham, missed an open goal at Crawley. Uh, Sam, I imagine there's a few contenders here for you. Yeah, unfortunately, it's the, most of the, the clubs that I played at badly towards the tail end of my career. <laughs> Leighton Orient, Ipswich, Northampton Town. I'm always a bit sheepish when I go back there. I'm at Orient next Tuesday, so I've already prepared my my disguise. But footballing terms, on the pitch stuff, uh, sorry Andy Holt, who I love, and John Coleman, Accrington Stanley. I'm in the dressing rooms. I don't know if they've improved, but Porter Cabin, one urinal, cold shower. Um, My last season, it wasn't my last season, sorry sat on the bench my last season. I played there for Luton and the centre-half tried to decapitate me and the referee gave the foul against me. (laughs) And I was just like, I am... And I got stitched up after the game. John Coleman refereed the game. You know, one of those. You could just hear him constantly the whole game, bellowing. And I was just like, I never want to come back here ever again. (laughs) And I think I did as a pundit. And I did a game for... Would have been for a Swindon game. And I'm going to try really hard not to offend anyone here, but I think there's two elder statesmen, can I say, who sit near the broadcasting area. So for the majority of the game, our commentary had um, two old ladies talking about their shopping in the background. (laughs) Um, And I think the the station got loads of complaints um, about that because there was... um, there was four voices basically throughout the commentary. So it wasn't even better from a broadcasting point of view. Michelle, can you compete with that? Well, mine's a little bit more boring, to be honest. Um, I have really bad memories of going. It's the one time I've been there 
Um, and I haven't been back since. It was a bit of a random one. I think it might have been either an FA Cup weekend or perhaps it was an international weekend. But it was my first and only trip to Mansfield Town. And I felt a bit bad for them because the reason I hate it is because I felt terribly, terribly sick all game. And I was like, oh, but thank goodness the sun is out. This is going to be great. They're like, oh, you're over there. And I had to climb. Um, I don't know if you've been to the gantry at Mansfield, either of you, but I had to climb three ladders through a building site. It may have changed because this was two and a half years ago. But I was just pregnant. So I was like, oh, my God, like I shouldn't be doing this. I was stressing. I was getting sweaty. But I got up there. I was like, oh, at least it won't be freezing. Honestly, I felt so sick all game on one of the highest gantries in that league. And, it, and there was nothing to like eat. There was nothing to drink. Sorry, that is a bit of a barometer on my watch. <laughs> and um, as it turned out, I actually was, was very sick. And it was like a serious illness I had when I was pregnant. But I didn't even know because I was just pregnant. And it, I just looked back on it. It was a really long drive. It was a really miserable day. And I can't even remember what the score was. I'm pretty sure actually they were playing Oxford. But I can't barely remember what happened in the game. I felt so awful. So sorry, Mansfield. It's actually not that much about your ground. I think you've probably fixed your gantry by now. But that and Bristol Rovers have a really... Have you guys been on the Bristol Rovers gantry? Nope. No. So to climb up on the gantry at Bristol Rovers, you go up a vertical ladder and you have to punch out a skylight to climb through. <laughs> and I'm going up the ladder when I was better at like 35 weeks pregnant. And this man is like, excuse me, you shouldn't be doing that. If you give birth up there, we can't get you back down. And it's, yeah, <laughs> horrible conditions up there in the wind and rain. So they're the two that stick in my mind. But I wouldn't say I hate them like Sam has the hate there. But just bad, just bad memories more than bad experiences, really. Man City's got a horrible climb up to the gantry, but uh, it's kind of made up for the fact that they have absolutely sensational food in the in the no, press room. No, they don't. See, everyone says this. I've got to just object to that. You know, the press room is down at the bottom, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Don't be a vegetarian and go to Man City. Is all I'll say. Mm, yeah. I got a, I got a curry there on Boxing Day, and I mean, does it get better than that? Was it a turkey curry? No, it wasn't. It was just everything, all the trimmings, you know, oh, just exactly what I was crying out for that day. <laughs> per- oh, it was perfect. And they get good um, good penny sweets as well, right? They do do good sweets, but I'll give a shout now. I'm at Barnsley v Stoke on Boxing Day for Sky Sports Football. So uh, if they could get the vegetarian option now, that would be that would be lovely. I went to Barnsley in January last year and they gave me a cup of steaming hot tea and a massive bag of Haribo. So I think you'd oh. be all right there. Um, Michelle uh, worst one for me I'm afraid was Coventry February 2010 it was the Rico Arena back in those days uh, went to see Forest this is when I lived in London so it wasn't a little a little trip it was freezing missed the last train home took ages had to share a cab back with four strangers one of whom was the worst person I've ever met not good anyway that'll do it for today we'll be back on Monday when we're going through that Fulham Bournemouth game and all the other big action in the EFL for now though from Sam from Michelle from Jeremy and from me many thanks for listening we'll speak to you soon you've been listening to the Totally Football League show part of the Athletic Podcast Network Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an Athletic Media Company production. The Athletic.